Welcome to the Form Guide, inspiring conversations about mental health and well-being. This week we're chatting to Dr. Heather McKee, behavioural change specialist, helping companies design wellness programmes that last. Thank you for tuning in. So, Dr. Heather McKee, welcome to the Form Guide. How are you today? I've got that in my head. Super freak, super freak. So, yeah, so, so, so that was Super Freak by Rick James, obviously very famously sampled by uh, MC Hammer, and you can't touch yeah. this. Um, yeah. But so I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you're a super freak, but what I am, uh, th- there was a bit of method in my madness in selecting that track because I love behavioral science. I love behavioral change. And it's a bit like Freakonomics, right? And it's, um, yeah. so there was a bit of thinking behind that, that track there. But are you, a, are you a 70s funk fan at all, Heather? Yeah, uh, I just love it all. Yeah, anything that gets me up and moving like that. That's a, it's such an energizer in the morning. I actually really love that. I wasn't expecting it. And yeah, it took me by surprise. It's bopping along. Yeah, <laughs> I and, love I, it. and I love I love the bopping along, you know, as, as we were talking before we went live, you know, the reaction to the music is very different. But uh, you, were, you were into <laughs> it, you were swaying along. It's really, really good to see. Um, so you are a behavior change specialist, and we're going to talk a little mm. bit more uh, about your work. Um, and as I say, I'm, I'm a kind of fanboy where behavioral science is, is concerned. In fact, the only time I've ever experienced imposter syndrome, and I'm lucky not to experience that, was I was speaking this year um, at Nudgestock, hosted by Ogilvy mm, uh, awesome. Behavioural Science. And kind of like on the billing, you'd got um, John Cleese, you got Rory Sutherland, you got Daniel Kahneman, uh, you know, Nobel Prize winner. And I'm like, what am I doing here to talk about my score out of 10? Um, and, I, and I literally kind of froze at the start of it but then kind of delivered it and made it interactive and it, it kind of people liked it and it worked well, but I, I was definitely felt like I was out of my depth for that particular show. Mm. Oh, wow. You've got a necessary message that people need to hear. So I'm glad you're in the mix. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. So on the subject of how are you today? Um, I'm, as you can see, I'm an eight out of 10, um, very good form. And, and we actually had to move our previous LinkedIn live because I was experiencing depression so I wanted to thank you for your flexibility there and um and and just report that I've since then been on very good form my long covid touch wood seems to be improving with a result of my cold therapy jumping in my well of wellness um every day mostly I so brave I did did 10 minutes this morning and it, it was 10 degrees and I feel amazing um also nutrition actually changing my diet to really an anti-inflammatory diet and reducing caffeine and I'm starting to feel like a human being again which is which is good I'm I'm not saying I'm over it yet but I think we're getting there but how about you Heather what's your score today great well I have not jumped in I've done anything worthy (laughs) (laughs) like jumping in cold water oh I could put a toe in and I'd probably lose my mind um no, I would say, I'd say I'm around a seven. Okay. I normally hover around an eight or a nine, but I was so cold last night and I couldn't sleep for the cold. And I had to go and grab a load of blankets um, and still woke up freezing this morning. But the thing I always think about, two of my friends have newborns at the moment. Yeah. And the thing I always think about when I wake up is like, you know what, I could have a newborn. And for them, a good night's sleep is like three, four hours, you know, um, at best. You know, so I, I just always think of them, and it, in a way, it kind of makes me smile. But I uh, went out for a walk in the park, and um, yeah, it was that that kind of put a pep in my step. Then after that, so I'm back back on form now. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that that that's pretty worthy, and you know, can sleep is a big driver of our, our wellness, isn't it? And um, you're hoping you you get a warm and good night's sleep tonight. Yeah. So, so what what would a perfect ten day look like for you if if such a thing exists? Yeah, great. No, great question. Um, well, you know what? Like, I've so many. To- I have to say, like, I've been in this industry basically my whole life, industry of well-being, and I suppose I've got a lot of tools in my toolkit. So, like, I don't want to be an evangelist about about anything, but I would. I I think it's important to keep in mind that this is kind of I live and breathe the yeah. work of well-being. So, you know. Um, a, a good 10 day would be you know things where well and, and the practice I do every day anyway but things like 
meditation. Um, I've recently got into breath work, actually, which has been really interesting in terms of emotional engagement and emotional yeah. release. And um, I've had a an injury. Well, I had an operation last year and it's, I still haven't fully recovered from it yet. And I haven't been able to exercise in the normal way that I would. And so um, actually being able to use breath work as a way of um, kind of exercising my lungs, but also yeah. kind of getting the same things that I would from from yeah. exercise. Um, and I, I struggled with it for a long time, actually. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going off piece, but I, I, I listened to a podcast which gave me a really interesting insight, which was what are the things that you get from exercise and where else can you get them in your life? And I thought it was such a wonderful way of actually stop striving to get a particular one thing and look at, well, where can I create, recreate this? Um, and for me, you know, being in nature is quite an important thing. So I can yeah. still walk um, relatively well. So, you know, being out, seeing trees, all of those yeah. things, I kind of find that quite soothing and massive this is, hippie. Yeah, yeah. This is really interesting. Can you remember what the podcast was, was by? Um, I will send you the link. Yeah, um, yeah. It was about the neuroscience of acceptance. Um, and it was all about kind of letting go of struggle and actually understanding, yeah, what, what that thing you're striving for, what it brings you. Mm. Um, and uh, I think actually it was, it was called, there was, it was actually two podcasts on the same day, you know, and I hit you from both yeah. years. And, um, and one of them was a slight change of plans. Um, and that's a behavioral science podcast. And she talked about she was meant to be a professional violinist. And she got into getting an injury and she couldn't. Um, she couldn't actually pursue that career anymore. So she started to ask herself, well, what were the things that I got out of being a professional violinist? Like, what were the things that I got? And it was interaction with people. It was like bringing that emotional engagement. So then she was trying to think about, well, where do I get that elsewhere? Um, and so now, yeah, I, I've been working on my mental fitness, um, you know, more in the last year because I can't work as much on my physical fitness yeah. um, as I'd like to. And that's been a whole new journey for me and it makes exciting to build habits around that yeah so this is resonating and we, we're, i'm very happy for us to explore this tangent because it's important i think that um there's a few things there so obviously with long covid i've not been able to exercise and mm. if you'd have told me this two years ago that i wouldn't be able to ride my bike i would have told you back well i'm going to be really depressed because i yeah. in my head i believe that exercise is is how i stay well and balance my extremes mm. of mood which you know physiologically psychologically that is very true yeah but actually what I found is that like you to a certain extent I've, I've looked at and I've done I haven't done this consciously but I've looked at what I get from exercise and I've actually found that from work I found it from doing it things like this from doing my keynotes um, and I'm now finding it from doing my cold therapy which is a bit like an interval you know and it's the same psychology yeah. of doing a, a hard interval of having 10 minutes in freezing cold water um, so I'm fascinated by that th that thought of what do we get from exercise um, mm. um, and, and what do we get from other aspects of our wellness? And if that's taken away, which for many it can be for whatever yeah. reason, how do we replicate that in other areas of our life using other drivers of form? It's fascinating. Um, so my colleague Harar, well, morning is on the chat. So Harar, please go and look up those podcasts. And uh, good morning to Anna, who uh, sits. Glad, glad you mentioned nature. Love that too. Um, and the and she does mention yeah the other things like a coping strategy as opposed to having a perfect ten day, which I guess is fair. Mm. And I think we can we can talk a bit more what a perfect ten day looks like. But the other mm. bit I wanted to pick up on is acceptance. And, and I love that idea of the, looking at the neuroscience of acceptance. For me, acceptance is one of the biggest tools that has helped me get through long COVID, that helps me get through a period of depression, is accepting that those feelings are uncomfortable and mm. kind of sitting with them with a sense of curiosity. And it's very yeah. powerful, isn't it? It's also very hard to be fair <laughs> yeah. because we love to struggle. I love to struggle. Like I love to grasp on, well, if I could just go out and cycle, if I could just go to the pool, if I could, you know, I love to like think of my former self, you know, I'd be able to do like 50 lanes, no bother now, I can do three, you know. Um, but, you know, it, yeah, for me, it was, I um, I started a journaling practice and I, I, one day I just asked myself, and every day I asked myself quite similar um, to form score, you know, how are you today? Um, and I asked myself, you know, how is this struggle benefiting me? Mm. And, and I had no response. 
there was no response. It wasn't benefiting me. It wasn't helping me to compare myself to my past self. It wasn't helping me to beat myself with a big stick that I haven't got the fitness that I used to, or I've lost my calves or my forearms or, <laughs> you know, I haven't got a muscle left in my body. That wasn't helping me. And then I wanted to, I started to ask myself, well, what will? And, 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 you know, I, I think that goes back to the power of like developing and, and like you said, someone said in the chat, positive coping responses. And, you know, it took me a while to actually develop a journaling um, habit. And I, I know an awful lot about habits, but um, it just wasn't, didn't seem to sit with me. It wasn't something that um, I found a place for in my life. And then the more I started to engage with it, the more I, I saw that actually it provided this objective, reflective um, way of, of actually dealing with what life throws at all of us and yeah. um you know the, the the place I got to with acceptance and it wasn't like you know I levitated off my seat and, and and came to this like higher place of acceptance it was more like why is how is the struggle benefiting you mm. and 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 when I was able to see that it was able to kind of you know see the wood from the trees in a way uh, but it's curiosity isn't it you, you, you know you've been curious about you know why is this benefiting me and mm. then you know reflected on it gave, gave, given yourself the space to do so and come to a conclusion that it is not benefiting you and I think giving our space for that curiosity is interesting the the bit about the struggle as well I mean I, th I talk a bit about kind of you know self-care not being selfish but being an essential component of high performance and it I think in certain workplaces and environments, it might seem as quite indulgent to look after oneself, whereas actually mm. we need to do that to be at our best. You know, elite athletes yeah. get this right, whereas in the workplace, we often think we've just got to struggle, push, strive, skip holiday, work through weekends, work long hours to be successful. And the reverse is true, isn't it? Mm. And it's so, I always talk about this. I, I do a talk about um, self-kindness being the hidden habit you know, that helps long-term success. And, you know, actually we think if we're going to be kind to ourselves, we're going to sit in our PJs and watch Netflix and order yeah. pizza all day, um, which would be nice for a while. Um, but, you know, they've shown that those, in the studies they've shown that those that have the most compassion have lower anxiety, lower depression, lower rumination, lower body shame, are much more likely to actually stick with their goals, much less likely to procrastinate. And that's because they're not looking at down their nose at themselves. They're not beating themselves up with a big stick. They're actually becoming their own self's best friend in a way. And they're becoming their own encouragement. And, and they've shown like, you know, people that are in actually positions that are quite, um, I think it was, you know, Mother Teresa was one of the people that they saw in these studies. And they also talked about um, Barack Obama and people that have actually have a lot of self-compassion and actually tend to be more goal goal driven but not in a way of an outcome driven goal but more of a process driven goal they're looking for what they get out of the goal how do they enjoy the process of being engaged and actually you know how that re kind of basically reinforces their identity as a person um, and and I, I, self-compassion is a it's a huge area that I've started to dive into a lot more and um, because of it's so so beneficial for people in terms of their long-term change yeah. And even if you look at it kind of neurophysiologically, like, you know, if we're beating ourselves up about the small changes that we make, you know, we're not actually making those changes rewarding and therefore we don't want to engage with them any, um, more. You know, if we if we look down our nose at ourselves and say, oh, well, I, I didn't cut down enough sugar yesterday, as opposed to, well, I drank more water, I switched you know, um, my last caffeinated beverage to, you know, non-caffeinated. If, if instead of, if we're, if we're looking for what we didn't do rather than what we did, it's just going to be a long list of, you know, falling short and failings and everything else. Whereas if we look for the wins and when you said to me, actually, what would a, a 10 day look like for me? My immediate thought was I'd look back on the day and be able to say, you know, the X, Y, and Z were my wins, but not even realize that I was trying to achieve a 10 day in any way, that it just happened. Um, and then, you know, the, the kind of perfect storm of things falling into place. But um, self-compassion is huge and it's so, so important. And, and one action I always kind of say that you could do, and, and this comes from Dr. Kristen Neff, who's a, a prominent self-compassion researcher, um, and very much in line with form score um, philosophy, is to ask yourself to write the day what do I need to feel nourished in this moment? And that doesn't necessarily mean 
just food, but it could be because you could have been on meetings back to back um, or you might not have let, eaten enough for breakfast and left yourself short or you might be a little bit dehydrated. But it also is things like emotional nourishment or social nourishment. You know, have you not talked to another human today? Um, or, do you could, need to go and ring your grandmother? Of, could, could be a moment of silence, a moment of yeah. Of, of, do you need of, stillness? Of space yeah. Yeah. Do you need to watch a funny video on YouTube to make you laugh? Yeah. You know. Um, and the more we can kind of check in with ourselves, and we can do that obviously in our heads, or we can do that by journaling. You know, the more we can actually know ourselves and get to know ourselves, and instead of actually caffeinating our way through the struggles and striving our ways through the struggles, we can actually learn to nourish our way through what's hard and bring kindness to what's hard what a lovely question as that is um you know what do i need to nourish myself right now um you know i think it's it's a beautiful way of just really asking ourselves what we need in that particular moment i, I love mm. it um another another good chat, comment from anna on the chat thank you the small things like walking in nature and cooking new dishes yeah I've recently I'm responsible for cooking in in, in my household and um, it, it got a bit of a grind right and I was just doing the same old stuff and everyone was hating it and I've sort of reinvigorated it with with the kind of anti-inflammatory diet but you know thinking of new dishes and I've actually surprised myself in the pleasure that I've got from being very much in that moment and focusing on that small task. Um, Amazing tell us what's your signature dish? Um, so my, my signature dish, um, it's changed over the years, right? So I used to do an amazing beef Wellington, um, and then um, I, I, I needed to be gluten-free, so I can't really do an amazing beef Wellington um, <laughs> um, uh, any anymore. Um, I, I kind of like, you know, kind of hearty dishes and comfort food. So, um, you know, like a nice one-pan paella or um, you know, mm. chicken and potatoes that's kind of slow-cooked but all thrown in together. So I'd say one of those, one of those two, really. Um, but um, yeah, absolutely. That focused on the moment. So I want to talk a bit about your journaling, um, uh, because I think many will, I guess, you know, be hearing about journaling and, and not necessarily understand the benefits. So talk me through your practice. What does that entail for you? And, and how did you form that habit of journaling? And as a behavioural scientist, I'm really interested <laughs> to hear your kind yeah. of perspective on that. Well, I, I said to myself, I'm not going to force myself into this. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to approach it in a gentle way. Um, so I kind of have a, a habit blueprint that I kind of work off with my work. And I've got an online course that I work off. So I very much try and practice what I preach. So I said to myself, OK, well, what how can I do this in the smallest way first? Um, and then I said, when and where is it going to suit me best to do this? Um, I uh, then asked myself, um, you know, on a scale of kind of one to 10, how confident am I that I'm going to be able to follow through on this plan? Um, and then I checked in myself and said, how confident am I that my most exhausted, depleted self will be able to check in with <laughs> yeah. this plan? And I, I would say to anyone, if they're asking themselves out, if it's anything less than a seven out of 10, you've got to make it easier for yourself. Um, and also, um, and, and like you said, um, Rob, you know, you flipped it and, and said, well, actually, what would it take to get to a, a 10? Um, so I asked myself all these questions and um, I kind of settled on um, a time of day that worked for me. Um, um, but I wasn't religiously rigorously tied to that time of day, but I knew that that was going to be the time that worked best. And I said to myself, one sentence, that's all you have to write, mm. one sentence. Um, and, and, and it's kind of interesting because there's, there's an interesting study on habits where they get people to floss. Um, they're trying to create flossing habits and they get yeah. one group um, to floss their teeth and the other group to floss one tooth. Um, and the ones that were told to floss one tooth were much more likely to sustain their flossing habits because, you know, the barrier to entry was quite low. The friction was quite low. But once they were there and they floss one tooth, they thought, well, I'm here now. I might as well, you know, keep going. Mm -hmm. And it's similar for me with the journaling. You know, once I kind of started you know it was just kind of getting over that barrier to entry then you know the words started to flow and you know before I know it I'm four or five pages in thinking geez I didn't think I had an engine on my mind today <laughs> and there it is um but yeah I, I think it's very important for you to think about you know don't try and set up habits like you know don't try and set up the perfect morning routine of actually you're trying to get the kids out to 
school in the morning and it's stressful for you don't put yourself into that pressure you know experiment with the wet and wear and it took me a good few weeks to actually kind of realize what time of day was best for me how it best served me and actually you know where it fit in with my day and I think that's very important when it comes to habit change that actually we all become behavioral detectives and look at well what works best for me in my week and and be prepared to fail and fail fast and be like okay that that was a failed experiment but I learned from it and this is where I'm going to move forward with yeah fascinating and and I think you're right that 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 idea of the magnitude of the task can can stop us starting can't it Mm. you know sometimes I love that just giving yourself permission to write one sentence and then seeing what happens yeah sometimes when I used to be um training regularly all I could do is put my kit on and that would be my deal I'd put my cycling kit on I'm not going to ride my bike I'm just going to put my kit on and then once I was in the kit it it was easier to get outside and I'm going to ride for five minutes then five minutes became an hour and you know if I was demotivated that was a really helpful helpful tool And, and and what do you get out of journaling what does it mean to you what are the positives that you experience and I, I love that you asked that question because I actually think that's so important. Um, and, and I actually didn't mention it in my list of things that I think about, but I think about the end state of it as well. And, and it's something um, in psychology called a priming, um, but also like something you can do, you know, if you're lying in bed in the, in the morning and thinking, oh, I just don't want to go for that walk or I don't want to go for that run. Actually, you know, thinking about that end state, thinking about what how you feel you know when you get off that bike or you finish that run or you get in from the walk like you know the vitality gives you the energy the focus the clarity all of those things actually like really sitting in that not only just actually you know when you're lying in bed you know because what we tend to do is we tend to think about all of the negatives like oh I could just stay in here for a long time or more or more time or I could stay cozy or whatever it happens to be but actually training our brains to be on the lookout for that so you know but when we finish that run sitting in that moment and being like this is the feeling that I want to crave in the morning this (laughs) is that good feeling Mm -hmm. and it was the same for me with journaling I was like I wanted to feel that it was almost like toothbrushing for the mind you know I wanted to feel like my mind was then clean and I was kind of in touch with whatever was going on for myself and I just felt it was like when you clean up your desk and you just feel like a different person for me that's the feeling I get like you know and not maybe not every day and someday you know I I, I write one line or even one word because yeah. you know I struggle with it but on other days I'm not happy with the conclusion I've gotten to and then so I end up asking myself a question at the end and, and, and leaving it open and then as a recovering perfectionist, that can be quite hard <laughs> to ask yourself a, a, an open question. But it's an important challenge for me to not leave it perfect and, and, and to leave it kind of messy. And um, but I, th- I love that question because I think what's very important um, and for anyone who's trying to create a habit change. And, and for me, what helped me through the journey is thinking about that end state and thinking mm-hmm. about actually how it makes me feel to engage in this, what, what I gain from engaging in it yeah yeah so i'm hearing a lot from you already around positive framing and, and again I, I you'll give the, the correct technical terms but that's the way i see it is, is is looking at things through a positive lens um and um you know you mentioned that about the kind of you know the done list and what have you achieved rather than what you haven't done why, why do you think we're hardwired to look for the negative the the challenge the difficulty the the failure the thing that we haven't achieved why why as a human being why are we kind of why, why is that the place that we naturally go do you think well i think well what i've heard from the neuroscience is that you know it's a it's a brain training thing it's a lot like the most anxious of us are the ones that survived um you know in the past so we we've been trained to scan the horizon for threats um and and those that were most anxious were those ones that actually passed on their genes and were able to live on And, and and unfortunately you know now nowadays there are quite like a lot of threats but they're not as simple as you know the saber-toothed tiger or the dinosaur Mm -hmm. they're you know um oh I've got another email asking me to do something when I need to be on this call at this certain time or um you know I need to pick up the kids for a certain appointment that I didn't realize that we had and and there are all these little micro threats and then and and we still look at them like a a saber-toothed tiger Mm -hmm. and um 
you know, they, they found in studies that actually our brain attends more to negative news headlines and negative emojis in a five times, I think it's five to seven times more attention to negative emojis than positive. And so we actually are constantly on the lookout for those negativity, those threats. And unfortunately, that can have, you know, all sorts of impacts on our physical, mental, emotional well-being. Um, and so, you know, because we have such a negativity bias, it's very, very important to train our positivity muscles. And I don't mean that in a way that we need to, you know, walk around with rose tinted glasses on in the world, but because we have this natural bias to protect ourselves and we're constantly trying to protect our vulnerabilities. And I suppose like we can bring compassion to that anxiety in a way, because it's like, I'm just trying to keep myself safe. I'm just mm -hmm. trying to be safe. And that's where it comes from. Um, but, you know, I think it's important to look at what we can savor. And this is something that I did a lot when, you know, we were in lockdown was what are the small little things that I can savor in my day yeah. um, and really kind of um, honing in on those. So be it like that first morning cup of tea, um, you know, or looking out the window like this morning where the leaves are kind of coming off mm. the trees in autumn or be it just having a lovely hand cream or a candle on your yep. desk, you know, that you can have and just taking 30 seconds to actually train your brain to what's good mm. in your day and the impact that that can have you know again it's very very small it's very very tiny but it's about what is good in this moment mm. what is good here and you can do that as a check-in you know as well if you wish to you know what is good in that moment because our brain will go to what isn't going right you know it's looking for those holes looking for things to fix it's looking um to improve things all of the time. And, and sometimes it's important to kind of sit back and ask yourself, you know, what is good in this moment? You know, it's something I would say to anyone, you know, watching this or listening to this now, have a look around, you know, what, what do you like in your environment right now? What's good about where you're at right now? You know, what's good about how you're feeling right now? Or what's good about, you know, like you're able to sit here and, and, and take in, you know, um, my rants, yeah. <laughs> my ramblings. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, you've given yourself that time. That's an act of self-care in itself. Yeah. Um, I think we need to kind of collect those wins throughout the day because our brain will default to the negative. And, and, and that's fine. You know, that's a natural part of being humans and we're only trying to protect ourselves. Yeah. But if we can train in what's good, it can and certainly lead to a more joyful day, yeah. potentially a more joyful life. I, I love this. And, and again, I'm hearing from you that, you know, be kind to ourselves, even when we're thinking of the negative, because we naturally will do that. But there's hope here, because um, it is possible to train ourselves to look more at the positive. And um, I found this because we, we were talking again before we went live about the advisor and investor update that I put out each month for Formscore. And I absolutely love doing this because you know I've I've um, you know I follow you know what's great what's good what's bad what's ugly um, and put things into categories and it forces me to reflect on what's happened in the month and of course what I find is that there's more in the great and the good and there's some things in the bad and there's an occasional thing that's in the very bad or the ugly um, but actually on balance I'm really net positive of lots of good stuff that's happened over the month but. If I were to t tell you that without kind of going through that process of reflection, I'd be fo probably focused on, oh, well, we haven't grown sales by this or we haven't achieved that on the product or because that's the natural place that we go. Mm. And so that um, and I've heard others use this idea of a done list rather than a, a to do list. Um, you know, what have you done in the day and reflect on that? Because it gives you that sense of achievement, that sense of positivity, that sense of actually I'm, I'm doing good here, which we are right. Generally, and it's interesting because, like, yeah, I I have this thing I do with my husband over dinner when I want to kind of launch into a complaint. I um I'm trying to train my brain to uh you know replace complaints with gratitude, and um because what they've shown is that rumination, that complaining, it only if it hurts you in a, a long run, and 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 so I we we try and start with um when we launch into a complaint, we start try to start with what's what are three good things from your day. Yeah. And and you will be amazed how that transforms your thinking. You know, you come in, you're almost your 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 fists are clenched. You're ready for the fight. You're complaining about how you spent ages on you know on a call to someone and you didn't get where you wanted to get to, and you know you weren't able to do. And then you talk about three good things, and you have to search for them. 
because you know your brain's over here right now and you have to kind of bring it back and say oh well actually I managed to get that thing done and you know that went well and or I got that really sweet text from my friend or um you know and 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 again every time you're training your brain to attend to that what is good um and it's a it's a called in psychology it's called savoring um and 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 it helps us it, it it attend to what's good but like you say you know there's a salience bias when it comes to negative things you know they loom larger than everything else and so you know we we it's it's not about you know again like walking through the world thinking everything's fine it's just about readdressing this balance because the balance is out of it's out of balance you know it's in it's in favor of the negative so we need to start picking up these micro joys throughout the day and 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 kind of readdressing that balance micro joys another great concept so i just want to clarify when you talk about complaints is that just a general complaint or a specific complaint with your husband <laughs> all of the complaints all of the complaints <laughs> anyone in, in particular <laughs> yeah i was just thinking about that about introducing some gratitude before um you know my, my wife and i have an argument which um yeah would probably change the nature of the argument right yeah um, which yeah is good. it's disarming you can't be annoyed at someone if you can appreciate if you're appreciating what's good about them yeah absolutely I love it. I love it. So um, we are 30 minutes in and we've just gone off on a wonderful tangent, which I'm yeah. so, I, I'm grateful for. And we've probably covered some of the stuff that I would ask you, but I'm keen to I'm, I'm super keen to hear your responses to the quick fire round. So we're going to take a pause to do that. So, Heather, I'm going to ask you a series of questions um, and just just reflect on what comes into your head. If mental health were a something, what would it be? So for you, what if mental health were an animal, what would it be, Heather? um a horse horse good one why why a horse Mm. um because it can be wild at times and in in if it's not cared for properly um but it also can be trained and and it can become your best friend love it it can be wild but can be trained and become your best friend absolutely great one if mental health were a color what comes to mind hmm I keep wanting to say green just because it's my favorite color. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I suppose because it comes in so many different shades, you know, and, and, and uh, different reflections and different people see it in different ways. And um, yeah. yeah. And I also feel like looking at green is it's quite just looking at a plant now when I'm talking to you, but you know, that is a science of fractals and, yeah. um, you know, all it's quite passive. Um you know, and soothing for our nervous systems as well. So um, yeah, that's where I gravitate towards. And obviously very uh, connected with nature and, um, you know, green, green trees and all that, which is, which is great. Okay, good. Um, if mental health were food, what would it be for you? Oh my gosh. Well, for food, I love these. They're so abstract. Um, if mental health, I would say, can I just say a genre of food? I yeah. have to always rebel, don't I? I have to yeah. create my own rules. I would say tapas because it comes in different sorts and sizes and depending on the on the day, um, you don't know what kind of dish you're going to get served up. So, um, yeah. I like, I like it. The different components, the tapas of mental health. Love it. Um, so if mental health were a song or a piece of music, mm. springs to mind. I I would say more like an orchestral or a symphony because you know there's there's multiple different parts to it. Mm-hmm. You've got those kind of deeper um you know um brass instruments and then you've kind of got the lighter strings and um yeah I would say because it's got those layers to it. So um, the, the yeah. layers of complexity and any, any particular one that springs to mind that you know, would would be emotive for you or fit the bill. So there's a beautiful song called Le Onde, which is the wave. Um, it's, um, I can never pronounce his name. He's a pianist, um, Ludovicio Enguoni. I'm going to just like, horrifically, I've just totally yeah, watched that. But okay. um, he's got a beautiful um, piece of work that's got quite a few Good layers, way. although le- le- maybe less strings. So okay. I don't know if there's strings in that one, but... Um, yeah. Okay, like it, like the sound of that. We'll have a listen to that. Um, so if mental health were a holiday destination, where would it be for you? Mm. All I'm thinking about is where I want to go on holidays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, where would I say? 
God, that's so that's a really tough question. Um, I want to say somewhere like Croatia because it's got like, you know, that diversity, and I think that's kind of my my theme here that it, it kind of comes in different forms and on on different days. And so you've got the islands, you've got you know the the beaches, but then you've got wonderful forests and um you know you've got cities and and a lot of it you know there's parts of it that are quite untouched as well and um yeah yeah i love croatia i've spent a fair bit of time there my uh, best friend married a, a croatian um so we've holidayed oh, there a lot and um, wonderful yeah, love, people yeah wonderful people. i got i got married there i Did love you? it i love that place so beautiful Fabulous. magical love it okay one more if mental health were a sound what is the sound of mental health for you mm. I would say one of those kind of gongs, you know, where it's quite poignant at the start and quite loud and almost feels like it reverberates through you um, and, you know, can then change over time as well. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah, um, yeah we kind of use one of the Tibetan um, singing bowls as part of the, the this podcast, but I've done a bit of the uh, gong sound bar therapy. Yeah. I love it. Just immediately, just I love it. It just sends you into a, just a, an immediate meditative state um, mm. that's quite hard to get to through unless you're quite experienced in mindfulness. Have you tried it? Yeah, I've tried it, and I've had like I I love it. Um, now I've had what times where I'm like I'm meant to be in this incredible meditative state why am I thinking of my shopping list yeah. um, and then I've laughed at myself because I'm like that's sweet look at you like you're you know you're worrying about not doing the bowls right you know when he <laughs> you know um, and then I've surrendered and it, it's wonderful but yeah I would say to anyone who hasn't tried it you know you will have thoughts of why am I bad at this I just have to listen <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, there is no bad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I love it. So I'm going to try to stitch all this together. Um, so uh, you, you and I and our respective families are in in Croatia, um, mm. and we're, um, we're we're sitting overlooking this amazing forest. You know, so there's the green colours, but the the mm. range of greens that are there, um, and we can see some kind of horses just galloping through the plain and, and we're just watching them that they, they look to be really enjoying themselves and yeah we might we might be going for a, a kind of family horse ride later and um we can hear the sounds of uh, ludovico Enaudi and the wave music coming and you know that's playing at this you know really cute restaurant that's about to serve us this amazing just range of tapas that we're going to very much be in the moment uh, and enjoy and then you know just as it's ready to be served the the waiter is signified by the sound of a big tibetan gong um and um yeah i think that i think that pulls it all together so yeah, that 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 scene is uh, something that what I like like about that one is it's eminently achievable. Mm, I love that. No, God, yeah, let's let's go. I'm back. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you for doing that. It's uh, the quick fire round. Good, good bit of fun. I love your yeah. answers. So, so I love the challenge. Yeah. It's so unexpected. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. Um, so, look, behavioural science. What? How did you get into it? Why is it so fascinating to you? Oh. Um, well, first, I'm just a massive geek. That's something you need to know. <laughs> um, now, I actually got into it when I was back in my primary, my undergraduate degree. Um, we were, uh, I was running a metabolic syndrome clinic in a hospital and for people with diabetes and heart disease and, and various things. And we had these amazing nutritional plans and we had personal trainers and we basically had every tool in the toolkit. But yet people weren't able to make their habits stick. And it really frustrated me. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, they've got everything. Why can't people make this happen for themselves? And I ended up sitting down with all 60 people in the clinic and, and, and actually asking them, like, you know, what's getting in the way? Why, what, what's, why, why isn't this working for you? And um, I think that just got me really fascinated by it. Because you can, I, ultimately, I kind of see it like this. You can have all the perfect ingredients in the recipe for health. So you can have, you know, the sleep hacks, uh, the perfect nutritional plan or, you know, the perfect exercise routine. But if you don't know how to put it into the context of your busy, crazy life, of your life when you're tired or, you know, um, suffering with um, your mental health at times or, you know, it just got various things that life and everyone has. And, mm. um, you know, 
it's very, very hard to make those things stick. And I, I see behavioral science as that method in the recipe for health. It takes those ingredients and it helps you put them into place in the places that work for you in your life. And, and, and so, you know, I think that that's what really excites me about um, behavioral science is it's about actually helping people find what works best for them in the yeah. context of their crazy, busy lives. Um, so that kind of spurred me on a journey of um, many years in university. You could say I was the Van Wilder of the UK. They couldn't get me to leave university. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, even now to this day, I'm just fascinated to know, you know, and learn more about human behavior, what makes us tick and, mm. and why some people are able to kind of, a lot of my research was looking at why some people are able to maintain healthy habits long term and why other people kind of relapse into unhelpful habits yeah. over time absolutely fascinating and so why, why do so many of us struggle to make new habits stick particular ones that are good for us yeah a lot of reasons and i i like to kind of quote simon Sinek with this we want to start with why when it comes to our habits because so so often you know so many of us will start with an outcome so like a number on our paychecks or a number on the scales or a number on our kind of fitness tracker or whatever. And those outcomes, they only motivate a short term and they need, you know, the social media people to say, well done, or other people to give us a pat on the back, or we tend to do them for appearance or performance reasons. And that's not a sticky type of motivation. It's called extrinsic motivation, you know, for particular rewards or incentives. And that only really can last for a short time and, and then things get hard and then that's when we kind of have to self-critique our way there to success yeah. um, but the opposite of that is um, intrinsic motivation and intrinsic um, is in Latin it's I think it translates into the word inward which means goods for our soul yeah. and I, I, I love that translation because it's about you know following a particular goal or wanting to make a change in your life because it's personally significant for you because it's about how you want to feel what type of person are you and um, you know it's about what it gives you back in your life and so instead of you know getting fitter just to get you know the Strava points or you know certain numbers on your fitness tracker it becomes it's how you makes it makes you feel each day it's about how it allows you to contribute more in your life how it gives you more focus with your work how it makes mm -hmm. you less snappy at your other half how it makes you uh, feel more happier and whole person um, and so I always say to people, you know, before we start out in any kind of habit change, you really need to dig into your, your why. And it can take five whys yeah. to get to your true why. Keep asking yourself why enough and you'll get to that inner reason. And often it's reasons for contribution or giving back to the world or, or it's reasons for identity because it's a part of who you are. Mm -hmm. And so then next time you feel like you're kind of want to skimp on a workout, it's not that you're you know, working out to, to get that number of points or to get that number of steps. It's actually you're working out because it helps you be the person who you want to be in the world. You know, it gives you back all of these wonderful things in your life. Um, and so I would definitely say, you know, one of the key things is that we need to start with why. Um, another key thing is that we often put ourselves under far too much pressure. You know, January is coming up now and like, you know, um, New Year rolls around and we're like, OK, well, I'm going to like eat no sugar. I'm going to give up alcohol. I'm going to walk every day. I'm going to save loads of money. I'm going to be nice to my siblings or whatever. Um, and actually, the more goals we add in, the more we take away from that focal goal. It's a concept called goal dilution. Yeah. And, and basically, you know, it's, 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 it, it, um, it kind of reflects on our willpower depletion so you know we've only got one source of willpower and if we come into it all guns blazing like we do in January where our motivation is so high and we're going to do all of the things and the kitchen sink all at once you know it's like it's like you Rob you know going to the gym for the next week and just training your left bicep for the next seven days by the time you get to the end of the week you won't be able to pick up a cup of tea yeah. because it'll be so wrecked but if you go once a week for the next seven weeks you're only going to get stronger over time and the same comes to our habits we need to strip it back. We need to start as small. Um, and I say laughably small. If it doesn't pass the giggle test, it might not be small enough. So, uh, you know, things like flossing one tooth or writing one line in your journal. You know, if we can start, you know, really, really small, then we're reducing that friction to engagement and we're actually making it easier to engage. And every time we engage with that habit, we prove to ourselves that we're someone who engages with it. And it gives us a positive self-esteem boost as opposed to, you know, looking up the mountain and thinking oh god I've got so far to climb we're looking down and we're saying well look how far I've got mm. amazing um 
Really, really interesting. How, how back to your first point on the intrinsic why, um, and I love that you know kind of soul enhancing, if I can use that phrase. How, how do we help people connect with that? Because that seems quite difficult to me um, if yeah. you're not practiced at it, because it takes it takes the you know what I call the gift of self reflection and a fair bit of it as well. How, how can we inspire people to connect with their intrinsic why? Do you think? Yeah, great question. And and you're right, it's absolutely hard to find it. And mm. I, I would say don't feel inadequate if you haven't got this like holier than now, why? Um, like I actually there's kind of two ways you can go about this. One is the five whys exercise. So say you want to get you're you're like, well, I want to get fit. Why? Why do you want to get fit? Well, I want to um well, I want to have more energy. Why do you want to have more energy? Well, um, you know, I'm struggling with looking after the kids because, you know, I'm so exhausted all the time. Um, okay. And, well, and why is that important to you? Um, well, because being a positive role model as a parent is important to me. Um, and, and, you know, like immediately there, you, you, you're seeing something um, that is a deeper why. Um, and, and, and so, you know, we can, we can do that through asking ourselves the five whys, but it doesn't always come out in such a pretty box like that um and sometimes it's about actually digging into our values and a lot of us aren't that aware of what our values are yeah. and there's a very kind of um i would say simple but not easy way of doing this um which is um you know you can look at a list of values online so if you just google a values list um what i would say is set a timer on your phone give yourself 30 seconds and pick out 10 that resonate with you so values are things like creativity, growth, contribution, family, love. Um, pick out whatever resonates with you. Then get set a timer on your phone for 30 seconds and get rid of five of those. So you're left with five more. Then give yourself five seconds and get rid of two more. And, and, and then you might be left with three. And then I want you to ask yourself, you know, well, how does following this goal or making this change in my life reflect this value? Or does this align with this? Um, and that can really help you kind of ground what you're trying to achieve in who you wish to be in the world. Um, and it, it sounds quite highfalutin and it sounds quite esoteric, but um, it, you'd be surprised that actually when you start to gravitate towards values, and you might just pick ones because you like the way they sound or, or the way they look, and that's fine as well, because values don't have to be fixed. They can change over time. But actually by becoming more in tune with what matters most to you, because yeah. why go through life, you know, doing things that aren't consistent with who you wish to be in the world. Why go through life doing things for appearance or performance or for other reasons? You know, the only person that's going to be with you for the rest of your life is you. And mm -hmm. so the more that you can dig in and the more you can understand what makes you tick, yeah. the more that you can actually live a life that's filled with more happiness and, and joy and, and the things that matter most to you. Yeah, 100%. What, if you don't mind me asking, what are, what are your values? What would be your three that you would focus on? Yeah, so mine are growth. Um, health and community. Love it. Yeah, yeah. And so I remind myself of these, and then, and not in a way to beat myself with a big stick. Um, but um, you know, I reflect um, on a Friday um, on my work of the week, and I ask myself, well, where where were the opportunities where I I showed my strengths in these areas? Um, and 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 that's something actually again I'm, I'm training myself to see my strengths as a recovering perfectionist it's it's very <laughs> and as a former academic you know we train ourselves in in our and in, in our you know we train our critique muscles I would say my critique biceps are very impressive um but um my uh my my strength triceps are a little bit um less toned and and so now I'm working on those and um, I, I try and pick out strengths I've shown or or ways in which I lived into my values that week. Um, yeah. And it's something everyone can do. And I often, I guess the exercise I get people to do in one of the talks that I do is, you know, ask yourself, you know, what strengths you've shown that week or strengths you've got from the past. You know, maybe you've graduated university, maybe you've gone traveling, maybe you've overcome an illness, whatever it happens to be write those strengths somewhere and um, I like to get arty about it and actually draw a strengths tree and the, the strengths are are the leaves yeah. um and if you can do that once a week by the end of the, the year you're going to have you know um multiple examples of strengths that you've shown in your life multiple examples reinforcing actually all the things that you bring to the world and all of the the, the positive attributes you bring and again it's training this negativity bias and then mm. and actually getting those um you know those positive muscles um stronger over time yeah love it 
absolutely love it and you know it, it, it's sort of inspiring me to to think more consciously about these things you know i think I, i've got a strong value set around you know kind of health family making positive change making impact inspiring people um but they, they sort of evolved as as i've evolved without me giving it much thought and i think there's a useful exercise of self-reflection to define those a little bit i think uh, which i will do um Obviously, we're very interested in well-being here on this show, um, and you and I are very interested in well-being. How important is the stuff that we're talking about for to 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 really help people get on a well-being journey? Um, and you know, that's what we're trying to do with Form Score is give people the space to reflect on how they are and then act on maintaining good form or getting to the next Form Score or just being more intentional about managing it. Um, I guess my, my question is, you know, is how important is thinking about some of the, the behavioural change ideas to encourage people to really be intentional about their wellness? I'd say it's vital as long as you use it in a way that is supportive of you. So yeah. don't don't use it in a way to be hard on yourself about it. Don't say, well, oh, Heather says journaling and I don't have a journal practice or, you know, everyone's going and 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 dipping in these freezing cold ice baths <laughs> and I'm not doing that. So, you know, um, I, I, I would say I one thing I would say is, you know, we're all looking for that silver bullet. We're all looking for that one thing that's going to make everything change. And And I think it's time that everyone kind of stops and sees that you're the silver bullet and you know the only way to kind of really change is to grow your strengths and and grow your skills and 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 trust that you you know have the power kind of I was going to sound so cheesy you have the power within you but um you know ultimately that is that is true and I, I you know um I, I like to look at it this is also extremely cheesy god you've caught me on a cheesy morning but I think about it like, you know, like the Wizard of Oz and, and Dorothy has those ruby slippers, but she has to go on a journey, um, you know, to, to, to find, you know, and she meets friends along the way and they support her and she learns different skills and she learns about her strengths and she learns about what is good about home. And, but ultimately, you know, the power to go home is always inside of her. And I think we've all got that power inside of us. We just got to go on a little bit of a journey to learn what works well for us to get there. And behavioral science can support us in that journey. Amazing. So you've just answered the question that I was I was going to ask you, which is what would be your one well-being golden nugget, the bit of wisdom that you're prepared to share. But I think my ruby slippers. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think you preempted me. But yeah, you are the silver bullet. We are the silver bullet. We have it within us, and we we do need to start looking for the the panacea or the one thing that will um, you know if we do this will be well. It requires consistent, habitual effort, curiosity. Um, exploration, uh, lightness, reflection, all of those things we've been talking about, but it is within us all. And what a wonderful way to finish. Um, Heather, that was such a good conversation. Thank you. We've, we've just chatted you. for, you know, 50, 53 minutes. Um, wow. Uh, felt like um, three. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thank you so much. I really enjoyed hearing your perspectives and, and chatting to you. So this is the Form Guide, inspiring conversations about our mental health and well-being. I think our next book guest is Andy Holmes, who is the global head of well-being at Reckitt. And um, he talks a lot about uh, being more human um, and creating more human workplaces so i'm keen to hear andy's perspectives in a couple of weeks uh, but heather um thank you so much you've been an amazing guest thank you rob thanks for your questions i really enjoyed it thank you thank you